Welcome to Card Slingers, coming to you coast to coast. Hi, I'm Jamie Elford from Portland, Oregon, representing the West Coast. I'm Melissa Sonova, speaking to you from the Midwest here in St. Louis. And I'm Hillary, the New Yorker. We're going to talk about what we like about the cards. And what we don't like. What we're learning. And what we're teaching. It's all about slinging them cards. Hey, listeners. Welcome to 2023. It's so far, it's been a good year, I'm assuming. Well, technically, we're recording this back in 2022. So that's why I'm saying that. But um, Jamie, it into the future. Yes, we're injecting <laughs> into the future. Um, thank you for continued listening and enjoying what we do. Um, we have a special guest for today. Hillary and I get to interview one of my friends and kind of a mentor of mine in a way, Nancy Hendrickson, who is a fantastic author, um, a very fun woman to work with because she has written so much for um, us. And I say us being the Carter Mancer magazine. And I've gotten to edit her works. And I've also gotten to gift her many, many pizzas because apparently she enjoys the the fine art of food as well as pizza. And, you know, here's a lesson for you all, folks. If if I say I'm going to do something, I will do it. As Nancy can attest to, the first time I ever sent her something, she said that I was mean. I was a mean Leo and I wasn't going to do it. And I actually delivered a pizza <laughs> to her house. Even yes, though, did. yeah, even though it didn't get to the, the actual door, it was still there. But um, <laughs> Nancy, please welcome and thank you for coming on. And as we were chatting our pre, you know, stuff to be willing to fly by the seat of the pants here at Card Slingers Coast to Coast. It's a conversation. <laughs> conversation. So thank you. And yes, I do love pizza. It is probably uh, my favorite of all the food groups. It is a food group, isn't it? It yes, should be yeah, if it's absolutely. not. I mean, I mean, it's got everything, right? It's got uh, calcium or milk, you know, with the cheese. Right. It, it's got vegetables in the form of tomatoes or whatever veggies you put on. Yeah. It's got meat because if you add sausage or pepperoni or other other meats, you've got that. Yes, which and then I would, I would never do. No, no meat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're like me. You're you're like you. You're the vegetarian. Kind of like well, the veggie pizzas. I love, I love, I love a very traditional, pure, quattro formaggi pizza. As I had when I was in Italy, so just put the cheese on, melt it down, and give it to me. I'm happy. Mm. So, but anyway, so we're not here to talk pizza. But um, thank you for the nice intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I did leave some stuff out. Mostly, it's your connection to tarot because I figured we were going to talk about all this. You know, you know your connection to tarot, the cool things you've done for the community, including teaching and writing a few books and winning a few awards. But I figured all that will unfold for us as we get to know you a little bit more. So I guess the first thing I'd like to know kind of is what came first? Did writing come first for you or did tarot and the um, and or divination? Oh, good question. Probably writing has always been, I mean, even when I was a little kid, I was always writing stuff. Um, ancestral stuff came next because I had grandmothers who told family stories that went back generations. So even before I was 10 years old, it was like my brain was flooded with family history. And so, but once I hit 
my 20s, I, I really was interested in healing. And, and I always say that my tarot readings always are based on healing because that's that's how I got into this field. And from, from healing, I ended up learning tarot and numerology, actually. Um, so, you know, I've always had like these two... I, I know you can't see me, but I have these, I'm like this, the justice scale. I have these two things, family, history, and tarot. And I always wanted to find a way to bring them together. And it took me years, literally, to say, oh my gosh, I can I can communicate with the ancestors via tarot. Why didn't I think about this before? So that's, that's kind of my pathway was starting in writing family history, numerology, tarot, and then putting everything together. I love that. As somebody that is um, adopted, and I remember at one point before my grandma passed, I tried to get her to write down stories or tell me some of the stories. So I'm I'm not one that's got a lot of the, the family history or family stories, just little snippets, but that's just it sounds like you and your family were relatively close and enjoyed passing on the various learnings or the, the oral or um, written history of where you came from and maybe even recipes or like healing secrets even. You know, the family was close. And, you know, as 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 America has evolved over the decades, families are no longer so close together in terms of distance. But yeah, I mean, one of my cousins did a cookbook of all these old family recipes. So, you know, family has always been kind of at the base of my life because I think the more you understand about your family, the more you actually know who you are. And if you're adopted, you may have to go the tarot route or some other divinatory route to communicate with people that you didn't know. If you're not adopted and you live in America, I can't speak to the UK, but I can speak to America. Almost every county in America created a, a history of that county about a hundred years after it was formed. And if your family was in any of those counties early, you'll find stories about them. So it's pretty actually easier to track people than you think. Wow. That's really cool. I didn't know about the counties actually kind of keeping recorded histories. Oh, no, very much. So. And they're great stories. They're like so and so had the first tavern here, and the it was a dirt floor, and so and so didn't pay, and so and so beat somebody up. I mean, they're just everyday stories that the county collected at its hundredth anniversary. How does one go about finding that stuff? Google Books, girl. Uh, I know, but I'm just like thinking, you know, for those of us that want to go down a person, you know, like I'm in Multnomah County here in Portland, Oregon, and I'm like, well, you know, there's got to be, some, you know, like a clerk or somebody I guess I could reach out to and say, hey, where can I find this history? Of course, county clerks are good, but even better are county historical societies. Almost every county has a historical society and every state has a historical society. And you know what? If you pick up the phone Tell them what you want. They love helping you. So, 
cool. It's, a, it's what they're very... there to do, right? It's exactly. just like they want people to call and ask these they things. Want you to I mean, seriously, I've called and asked the most arcane questions you can imagine of a state historical person. And it's like, oh, yeah, we can help you find that. So, yeah, get on the phone. Cool. Can you give us an example of uh, one of those arcane things if you if you have oh, yeah. I, I was doing some research and there was a reference to maybe this person worked on a railroad. So I called the it was in Minnesota and I called the State Historical Society. Okay, where do I track down records of railroad employees of the 1800s? And you know, it's information they have at the tip of the tongue because it's their world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I mean, you know, who would have thought about employment records at a state historical society? But that's but they have stuff you wouldn't think they would have. Because it's all history, right? All of it is history. Who who was born, who died, who had this trade, who came in on this contract. It's all it's all a part of the history of the of the geographic area. And also that's not just the land. It's the people who are on that land. Yeah, there's a huge amount of information. Plus, you know, there are newspaper archives and they will, I mean, they're great. They'll say, oh, Mrs. Brown's sister, Carolyn, came from South Dakota last week. And uh, and that's just historical newspaper archives. So um, there's a lot of information out there that people, you don't have to be a genealogist or a great researcher. It's It's pretty easy to find. Amazing. And if you can't find it, you know where to find me. True. True. Right? Nancy, help me out here, right? No. Yeah. Um, I'm just, my mind's full of all these cool things and all directions that, you know, we can um, kind of go from here. But, you know, you had your family, you got all these stories. Um, what was your first publication? Because, you know, it sounds like you were writing stuff down I at some point. Did. Believe it or not, I believe it or not my main writing career was magazines and my very, very, very first published anything was on wedding receptions. And I said that weird. I mean, seriously, but it was on, I went down to a local hotel that did weddings and talked to them about, you know, what do you set up? How do you set up? It was for a trade magazine. So it was for a hotel magazine, giving oh, them cool. tips on how to do uh, wedding receptions. I know very, uh, but I did also did a lot of travel magazine stuff too. Was this during the time that, cause I was reading somewhere that a lot of women back, back in the day, as I use air quotes, weren't able to do a lot of journalistic style, the heavy digging in, in, in depth stuff. So was that around that time? No, that was okay. way before my time, Jamie. Phew, phew. I know, I know. Apologies How dare here. you, Jamie? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm my history no. is off. I mean, I'm not a big history buff, but I am learning more about it and stuff in my own little weird occultish way. But well, it, I'll tell you, though, in terms of getting into writing about history or genealogy, I think the the most the coolest thing in the world is in the last 10 years and the emergence of DNA, DNA testing. Mm-hmm. I because of the work I did, I've, I've had tests at like five different companies and it's really interesting because all of their algorithms are slightly different. 
So you may see something in one that you don't see in another. But, you know, if you don't know who your family is, oh, my God, take a DNA test and you'll end up with a thousand second cousins that you didn't know anything about. And I've said this before, and you may have heard me say it. We found my mother's father via DNA when she was 90 years old. And it was like it took it. It's because she took a test at the emergence of it, and it took almost 10 years mm-hmm. for the databases to get big enough that this guy pops out. And, you know, we found it through one of his grandkids. So, you know, I, I love it. Plus, it tells us where we came from. And if you're working with ancestors of place, oh, my God, DNA just opens the door for you. Mm-hmm. I didn't even consider that when we first started the conversation or the recording because, but like you're, I was going to, this just came to mind, um, going to ask what you feel about DNA and what do you think about like families that are, you know, keeping family secrets. And it's just like, like, is that a great idea anymore? Considering like, it's all going to come out anyway. So you might as well just be honest because if someone takes a DNA test, Oh, <laughs> I have a sister that I didn't know about, or I have a sister, I have this person, you know, um, what are your feelings about that? You know, Hillary, that's a great question. And when DNA first started, I, I remember saying to a friend of mine, oh my goodness, a lot of people are going to be super unhappy when they find out, oh, that wasn't really my dad. Oh, that, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I knew this would happen and I'm happy because I look at the family secret of my grandmother not telling my mother who her father was. That is cruel. You know, that is cruel. And I'm sorry it took till mom was 90 for us to find this guy, but DNA blows family history secrets just out of the water and they should be. I mean, yeah, I was um I I just I think that sometimes we we take on our family histories and it informs our identity so yeah. much. Yes. And then you're basically saying, Oh, what's real. What's not real. You're questioning everything. When something like that comes out, when it's just like, Oh, that's not my father. Oh, that's not my mother. Like then who am I? And having to like exactly. relearn yeah. who, who you are, what your identity or is. Even to add to that, where like for me, I, I have banked my DNA at least at Ancestry.com. And I did um, the 23andMe back when 23andMe could, mm-hmm. you can shift that info. But I was always told that I was, you know, Native American, Hispanic, probably from Mexico on my mother's side. And then my father was probably, you know, high, standard white guy American. But that DNA really kind of, you know, it's shifted as well. I mean, I still have some of the Southwestern, you know, DNA in me. It's not as much as I was told, you know, air quotes there. But it's really kind of neat to see how the evolution of all these tests really push and blow, again, like Hillary said, you know, open up these secrets. They do. And the, the tests are refined all the time. They get better and better. But Hillary, back to your point about self-identification, it would be like me saying to Jamie, Jamie, we lied to you about when you were born and you, you're actually, oh, you're a Taurus. Now, I mean, we, we in this community, <laughs> I mean, think about that. Yeah. We in this community yeah. so relate to, you know, our sun signs and the others, of course. But I mean, Jamie, wouldn't that, 
like spin your head about, okay, who am I then? Who am I really? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, as, as somebody who's adopted, I, I, I tend to already think of myself as kind of a child of the earth. I know that sounds, you know, woo woo or, you know, like, like, you know, uh, race or gender doesn't matter type of stuff, but in a way, you know, it opens things up, but it's funny that you mentioned like the, you know, I was in, you know, a Taurus. That's my moon sign. So it's kind of funny that you're like talking to me about <laughs> all this. And I'm like, well, I am though. I have Taurus in my <laughs> DNA already. You know, if we look at it, you know, astrologically wise, but I, I know what you're talking about. It's that identity is important. Pronouns are important. You know, knowing who sure. we are is, you know, or having that, that ability to say, I am period, you know, bang, exclamation mark, you know, is so important to many of us to belong, to understand where we came from and who we are. And, mm. and what if you've heard a certain history all mm. your life and you yeah. find out that wasn't really my father, so that's not my side of the family. I, I don't have any part of that. I mm. mean, that that really is something that does, I think, spin your head because we identify so much with, you know, the family and the family stories, the family tragedies, family patterns, family wounds. And, oh, my gosh, they're not mine. Doesn't that mm -hmm. change something so drastically? It can. It can change everything. Can, yeah. You can yeah. feel really unmoored or uprooted whenever you uncover this, whether you're 20 years old or 90 years old in the case of your mother. Yeah. It yeah. is amazing. Wow. So, that's so let's get, oh, sorry, I want to go back to the books because <laughs> what if someone, what if someone doesn't have access to a DNA test? What if they deem it, oh, I don't know, too expensive or whatever. Like, I think that, that your books can really help someone in that situation. Um, or if they are adopted or if they've never identified with maybe their parents or their grandparents maybe there is that ancestry that goes back further because like most of us don't really have a sense of our ancestry beyond right. our grandparents or our great great grandparents either we didn't have the tools to be able right. to delve past that point in our ancestry. Um, so I really want to talk about like ancestral tarot and your newest book, Ancestral Grimoire, about those, basically those tools that you created in those books to be able to use a divination system to be built to access that information. Yes. Yeah, because I recognize that I am an anomaly because I do know so much about the family history, but, you know, I've also been researching it since I was a kid and, and, you know, that's a long time ago, but, you know, I've thought a lot about people who are adopted or people who don't know their grandmother's maiden name. They don't know really anything, or they, they have no connection with family over abuse or, I mean, I've met many people who've totally cut themselves away from family. So, you know, for me, using tarot or oracles or a pendulum or other divinatory tools, that's that just opens this portal to that wisdom that we hope to find in an, in an ancestor that we haven't been able to find here with family alive. And I I, I did a presentation uh, before I went to Italy, and a woman told me that she was very connected to nature 
and she hated her family. And I said, well, go, go out in nature, go have a conversation with the tree, talk to the land. And, and she emailed me a couple of weeks later saying it was great because in, in just embracing nature, it opened her up enough to be willing to even talk about family. So there are many pathways into ancestral work. It's, it doesn't just have to be tarot. And um, Amanda had a question from before. What came first for you? It sounded like it sounded like it, it was ancestry first and then right. tarot second. But then you were saying before I had never considered, oh, I can use tarot for this. Yeah, I really hadn't. And it's it's amazing that it didn't cross my mind, but it didn't. And, and I just have to accept the fact that things happen as in the right time. And, and you know, with with all the ancestry tests and the DNA tests, uh, I think, I think I just hit this perfect portal of timing that people have this interest in reconnecting with, with their own personal history and with DNA, it has opened doors that we never had before ever. And I think the, the timing was kind of divinely set up for me to have the penny drop when it did. Uh, you know, I, I I have a lot of faith in kind of the divineness of timing. So it happened when it was meant to happen. How long did it take you to create the system or methodology that you explain in Ancestral Tarot? Where, you know, because you said that, you know, you've got all this, you, you know how to write um, ancestral um, stuff. Yeah, you know how to write in general because you've written so so many things, books and magazine articles. So, what got you to blending your healing modality, the the art of your healing and tarot, into your genealogy? You know, I, th I Jamie, it's a great question, and I think it's because I run into so many people who, if you say family, it's painful. Uh, you know, and you know, I always come into everything as a healer first. And I rec I recognized there's got to be some way to work with all this pain around family because I didn't experience that myself. And as a healer, you know, and, and being empathic, it's very hard when you hear these horrible stories about family. So, and because tarot is kind of my first tool, I think that's when that started to all tumble together that this is a healing modality, tarot and family. I think that's how that happened. In terms of uh, writing the book itself, you know, when you write a book, as Hillary knows, you have a contract with a deadline. And my yep. deadline, my deadline was three months. So, but it was very easy to write in three months because I'd been doing both things all my life. Okay, now sorry, I, yeah, I just gave a horrified yeah. gasp uh, when I was muted we both because just... <laughs> my deadline was two two months, but mine was much shorter <laughs> than so, yours. So I'm yeah. just like, <gasps> yeah, okay. So <clears throat> my my rough drafts or my zero drafts are usually relatively crappy, and I can do it in a month or less, but I can't imagine putting <clears throat> a first draft into a publisher's hands. 
you know, in that time. Well, and, and, well I, I did not put a first draft into a publisher's hands. Okay. Uh, you know, no, that I probably, I, I write a very clean first draft. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But this particular book, Ancestral Tarot was probably the hardest book I ever wrote because it forced me to be super vulnerable and, and just say, you know, these are things I've struggled with. These are all the deaths that I had to deal with as a kid. And, and so it's hard to be so transparent, I think. And just because I am a Virgo and I really was born in September, um, Virgos are not that forthcoming with a lot of things, you know? So and it's interesting um, because I have a lot of Virgo friends and they are with me. Maybe it's just my warm and inviting maybe personality. Maybe it's your warm Leo personality, Jamie. I'm Who sure knows? Yeah, I'm no, sure it is. Sure but, uh, I probably rewrote that draft. I probably re- rewrote that book over 20 times. Wow. And by the time it got to the editor, there was very little that had to be changed. It, it was basically a finished book. Um, do you consider that you wrote that book or did that book write you? <laughs> uh, I, think, I think both. I think both. You know, as the more I got into writing the book, it was like I really was guided here and there. And I had ideas that had never crossed my mind before. And and I've I've mentioned this before, but in the writing of the book, I was driving home from a friend's one night and Three different times I had to hit the brakes because I saw somebody walk in front of the car, but there was nobody there. So spirit just kept showing up. And I finally said, you can't do this to me because I'm going to get in an accident. Um, And so then it stopped, but it told me how much spirit wanted this story to be told. And Mm -hmm. on my birthday, in September, I almost always go to the the mission. You know, the, the California has the twenty one historic missions. San Diego is the first, and I, even though I'm not religious, I love going and sitting down in that mission because it's like you can hear the voices of all the people who were there for hundreds of years before you, and, and I was so aware that people want their stories told. And this all happened, you know, through the process of putting the book together. So spirit had a hand, definitely. I love the idea of going to these missions as, you know, as a pilgrimage almost. It was. Have you visited all of them? I have not, but I try to go to the one here in San Diego on my birthday every year. That's, That's kind of my little birthday thing for myself. Yeah. No, I'd love to go to all 21 of them, but I have not. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Road trip. Yeah. Um, so um, Amanda also asked, um, during your creative process of your books, were there any spreads or tools that were particularly difficult to come up with? So besides the the vulnerability yeah. of putting these stories into writing, was there a particular spread or tool? that you came up with that was difficult? You know, I I will say no. However, I want to tag on to that, uh, Amanda. It I've always used a pendulum, but writing the book, 
I was just, I was really drawn towards using the pendulum a lot more than I ever had because I I recognized how accurate it was. So I, I used to do this little game with myself that I would take my tarot deck and I'd split it into four piles and I'd tell the pendulum, okay, find the queen of pentacles, which pile is she in? So I I got into doing that kind of exercise just to, to play with the accuracy. So um, the book led me to being a much more heavy pendulum user, I guess. Uh, but, you know, the hardest part of the book for me was simply allowing myself to be vulnerable. Honestly. I love that. I remember um, your class in 2022, I think, no, was it this year or last year at StarCon where you taught a little bit about how to start working with the ancestors in in your ways. And I had my everyday pendulum out. And the first thing you said was, ask it, does it want to be your ancestral, you know, um, pendulum? And I asked mine and it said no. And I went, uh, okay. And then I went through, and at this point I only had the single pendulum, but I found a necklace that had something, um, a, like a, a little thing that, was belonged to my grandma's on uh, my my adopted mom's side sister and because um uh, I had a strong connection with granny I I asked the necklace hey do you want to become a pendulum and do you want to work with me with my ancestors and it said yes so it's really interesting isn't it yeah. because I have a pendulum that doesn't want to do anything but healing work it is that's it don't ask me any more questions it's just healing and I have an ancestral one and I have one that is kind of a general yes, no kind of thing. But I, I use the healing one and the ancestral one most. And in fact, I took the ancestral one to Italy with me uh, on this trip I just got home from. And uh, it was really fun to use it, especially with people who didn't use pendulums very often. Mm -hmm. I had fun with that. I can imagine just what that was like to feel, I mean, cause I've never been to Italy and um, I've only been to Mexico and, you know, Hawaii and can't, you know, out, out of the continental United States and Canada, but to be over in the quote unquote old world and having the feelings and seeing the rich history thousands upon thousands of years and then knowing magic and, you know, your ancestral work, blending all that together on various sites really or locations. You know, we don't, Americans, you know, we don't have a very good sense of history, especially European history. And I mean, the hotel, the, the air quotes hotel yeah. uh, we stayed in one night was in a building that was 1,500 years old. And so you're walking up these stone staircases and you can just imagine how many people's feet went up those stone staircases throughout the, you know, the century. Um, very different than being here. Very, very different. And um, I don't know European history very well, uh, but I liked soaking in the energy of that very ancient place. Mm. Yeah. I love the, um, I felt that way when I went to, like, I've, I've been taking a lot of like big trips over the last three years, not, not so much in the last two years, let's just say, yeah. um, um, for reasons, 
Um, but feeling the energy, you're absolutely right. It is different than like, we, we think, oh, well, you know, historically, let's go to Philadelphia and let's stand here in the spot of history or whatever. And then, and then Europeans are just like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. (laughs) Pat, pat, pat. You know, that's true. That's true. Like, that's adorable. (laughs) Um, so what, what, a month is this episode coming out in Jamie because I wanted to talk a little bit about ancestral grimoire and you know how it's different from ancestral tarot because ancestral grimoire is like you're working with the energies mm-hmm. all year round depending on the month so is it coming out in January are we in January March. for this we're in March, we're in March. yeah oh, wow yeah I know it's it's crazy I mean well I mean it I mean we can always move these around but you know, um, this could be February. I mean, we can add it to February because <laughs> I mean, sadly, we got to publish Teresa Reads first, so you know that can be you know in January. But we can continue talking about these books, okay? Because you know, <laughs> the one thing I can't, I, I will admit, I have not read Ancestral Terror yet, and the reason is because in the beginning of the book, you start out with an exercise, and you pretty much, you know, I know you, Nancy. I know how we write, you know, and work together. And it's one of those things where that book starts out with a, here's a little bit of stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then says, take out your cards, take out an ancestor deck, do this exercise, go on, go, go, I'll wait. And I haven't had the time to be able to sit down and focus on that yet because I want the thing about you and the thing about the uh, the stuff that the magazine articles I've read of yours is I want to take the time. I want to sit down with you as the teacher and I want to give you that devotion, that 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 moment of connection rather than I'm just going to flop the cards down and do something really quick because yeah, I don't. Yeah. These books are not meant to be a flip a card and move on. I talked to a gentleman a few months ago and he had worked through everything in Ancestral Tarot and it took him one year. And he had notebooks. Wow filled with information and and the way that um, grimoire really goes way off from ancestral tarot is, and and I am, I am a true Virgo. I'm incredibly practical. And yet I recognize that we are drawn to this community because I truly believe we all have magical bloodlines and it may have been in another Mm -hmm. life. May have been in this life. Um, we don't know. And so when I sat down with Grimoire, I really wanted to try and tap into the types of magic that our ancestors that would have been common for them and are extraordinary for us. So um it seemed a very impractical approach because I can't prove, I can't prove it. I can't prove that somebody 10 generations back could change the weather, but I can use my tools to try and figure that out and try and learn it and see if it's a good fit for me. Um, So it was a very different book and uh, I had a lot of fun writing it. And I, I think I learned a lot about the types of magic I'm most drawn to because we're not all drawn to, you know, all types of magic. Yeah. No, I get that. That's something that I learned being a Llewellyn author. When I was at a dinner, there was um, Guion, uh, Guion Ra- uh, Raven, and a few others were talking about the lineage of that we have as writers. Like, 
all mm. three of us belong to the lineage of writers, you know, all yeah. the way down to those that chiseled on papyrus or, you know, yeah. the cave people. And then, you know, with our publishers, you know, we, publishers like to consider all of us as family. Like for you, you belong to the Weiser family, which is cousins to us at Llewellyn and cousins to us at Hillary's, you know, publishers thing. And the magic I love about that, at least for me, I look at those lineages, the magical lineages, all three of, or all four of us, because we have Amanda listening on, you know, all of us belong to the tarot lineage. You know, we are in some way connected down to Pamela Coleman Smith, to all the the artists who, you know, took the paper and painted these images on because that all led to where we are. So I love that you're also counting the various groups or the subcultures or the little bits and bobs that we all can relate to in as our cultural or sorry, our familial DNA in, in a way, to use that term loosely. Yeah, exactly. And whether it's tarot or a feather or a stone, we are drawn to the omens that the world puts in front of us to try and understand the world, to try and understand mm. ourselves, to try and get messages from beyond the veil. You know, I think that whatever our pathway is, it takes us to that same wanting to understand how everything works. You know, what happens when yeah. you're dead? Does anything happen? I mean, I just, for me, grimoire helps answer a lot of those questions. And what's what's cool, and I'm I, it's not in my nature to get out here and 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 you know beat the drum about my books. Um, but what I love is that because every single person's family is different, their grimoire is going to be different. It, no one in the planet will have a grimoire like yours. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love the uniqueness of it. I love that you said before, because um, you talked a little bit about estrangement stories and family and that some families can be very painful. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like a divination tool like the tarot or runes or pendulums can help give that kind of, I don't know, boundary or tool or stepping stone to be able to understand that in that, like, their healing process? I think so. And generally, let's say that you came from a family that was very uh, e- egregiously abusive. And so you want nothing to do with your parents. Maybe you don't want anything to do with your grandparents, your uncles, your cousins. But if you use tarot or whatever your tool is, Hop back generations, because generally speaking, in all the years I've done this, there are literally tens of thousands of ancestors who really want you to be happy. They want to help you any way they can. It's like those spirits jumping out to try and get my attention. Um, Skip the people that you want to skip. I mean, why beat your head against a wall? to try and find a resolution with somebody who was very abusive to you. Skipping back generations, I think you will find what happened in your family line. I know I'm not saying this as well as I would like to. If you go back enough generations and draw court cards as you go back, you'll see a flip, like uh, swords, wands, swords, wands, swords, wands, knight of cups. 
what happened in that generation? So for me, it's like being a detective and it's like, what happened that all of a sudden we have this crummy family history? Um, so that's kind of my deal is I'll go back as far as it takes for me to try and understand. I don't know if that answered your question, but I think that's fantastic. I think that's amazing because mm-hmm. it t- touches on not just, you know, um, the roughness of immediate family, if you happen to have a falling out or estrangement, mm-hmm. but it also addresses a possible family history of, yeah. and in going back, you might be able to even detangle that or understand that. And who knows what shifts could ripple out from that. Yeah. It's that family wound, right? It you is. know, it's, it's, it's hunting that down and seeing because something Amanda just wrote, I purchased ancestral tarot when it came out, then proceeded to avoid it until several months ago. It, it has the potential for great healing, but requires like like you're doing on this podcast, complete vulnerability. Yeah, it does. And that's really true. And Hillary, back to that, what we just were saying too. If you draw court cards for like your mom's, you know, just let's say all your maternal line and your dad's paternal line, it's really interesting. Oftentimes you'll see a flip in both both lines in the same generation. So something happened. And then that's when I'll pull out the majors and the minors to start clarifying, okay, what the heck happened? Or all of a sudden you'll have kings, queens, kings, queens, king, and then both lines have pages all of a sudden. What happened? Mm I'm already getting a sense of that even from with not pulling cards mm-hmm. because my my family is from England and both of my grandfathers were prisoners of war, both sides. Oh, okay. wow. And so that could potentially be that or it could be something not something more subtle than that. But like, I remember all of those stories being told to me, like, you know, your grandfather on this side was a prisoner of war. Your grandfather on this side was a prisoner of war. And like how those experiences might have trickled down to their children. And now to me as a granddaughter. How could it not? How could it not trickle down? I mean, I, I, to me, that's an impossibility. It's a huge wound or it's a huge event that happened and it affected and colored their entire life after that. Yeah. And you know what you can also do? And this is, again, this is the history part of me. Let's say that five generations back, you find all of a sudden this flip, you know, I would just get on Siri or Google or whatever her name is, the other one, uh, the Google girl. Um, Anyway, uh, I would say, you know, um, what years were five generations ago? So once I had a time frame, you know, let's say 1870, 1890, then I can kind of look at the history of where they lived or where I think they lived. Maybe there was something catastrophic. Maybe, oh, my God, the Spanish flu of 1918 or, you know, World War. One or you know, it's pretty easy to find the major events of a time period, and that could have caused the flip. This is so fascinating. It's not not something that I ever considered. And when I first started reading tarot, I was just doing it to you know tell people's futures, or you know, and it's just like I love that you're saying I believe tarot to be a healing modality. It is totally, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I love that you've, you know, 
As somebody who, like you were saying, does not consider family history, who is divorced away from their family, you that, you know, but this gives me that way to tap in. Your your books are still valuable to me to tap into trying to find myself through the connection of the cards, through the connection of the different subcultures I'm in. And I love this idea of mapping, you know, not necessarily a family history with like the court cards, but mapping the wounds that, you know, your lineage might contain in my current DNA, so to speak, and to figure out how to kind of use myself as a vehicle to heal those past lines. My question for you with with like, you know, now that you've got Ancestral Tarot and it's won awards because it's amazing work and mm-hmm. Ancestral Grammore is out and people can use that to tap into and write their own histories and their own right. books. What's next? What what do you want to do or, or, or re-envision for tarot? You know, that is such a good question. And I have been musing and pondering that. Um, it's going to be tarot, I can tell you that. And it's not going to be about the court cards because why would I write about court cards when Alison Cross is the best court card person on the planet? <laughs> um, and she has her book, her book's coming out shortly or so I'm, I can't wait to get my hands on it, but, uh, I don't know, Jamie, why don't you flip a card and tell me what I'm doing next? Alrighty. Alrighty. Yeah, I can do this. I can play this game. Of course, okay. I I'm just going to do it. Amanda's going to do it too. And I'm going to do it. Okay. Gonna go my deck. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got, I'm going to use a digital deck because like before we were talking, it's like in the, in the past, we all thought that, Hey, tarot was going to be digital, right? We thought that the internet or, or the apps or stuff was going to be the wave of the future. And while it is in some ways, we, we mostly use it for Zoom. You know, Zoom has become the reading center or this other place for yeah, us to do is. stuff. But I do love my my digital apps on occasion. Ooh, okay, so I love this. I got the Queen of Pentacles for you oh. as a card. So I, for me, she's very nurturing to me. She still has that mother energy. And yeah. I can see Nancy as you kind of being a mother or, you know, the mentor for a lot of us going, make sure you eat, breathe, heal yourself, go through my books slowly and steady. But I feel like for you, what might be next is maybe expanding more upon the healing aspects of and, what you like to do. And okay, so I will give you an A+. plus. My Leo, my, my, of course, my type A personality, my Leoness is like, well, hell yeah, but yay, thank you. I'm getting, so the first card I pulled, I'm just like putting aside because I think it's more of a message for me. Oh, okay. um, and I got the two, I got the two of wands reversed. So I think um, I'm kind of agreeing with what Amanda was saying in the chat before, where it's just like, I don't know if I'm ready yet to dive in in this way, but um, mm-hmm. I'm going to get myself ready. Okay. Um, for you, I got the queen of swords. So I think that's so funny that, you know, you we were talking about like, I'm moving away from the court cards and then. <laughs> And then, then, a court get, and then the court the cards coming up. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and yet the court cards are coming up. So it's just like, are you sure? Um, yeah. <laughs> but the Queen of Swords, I love that. Um, I love the Queen of Swords. It's about forthrightness. It's about clear communication. It's also having that communication that might be difficult or hard, but necessary. Um, so yeah, mm. I think I think there's and also I've been working a little bit with the 
the new book with ancestral grimoire and i kind of get the sense of um you know that evidential kind yes. of sense um yeah. that i think is going to be happening more and more it's just like research e cool. prove it to me but not in a like test the psychic kind of way more like yes. i want some scientific backing i want a, a, a clearer solid foundation of like this is the evidence that goes along with this work. That's so cool. And you get an A plus too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Amanda has <laughs> unmuted herself. So what did you get, Amanda? Empress. I have. I've got the Empress, which is lovely. And it very much kind of coincides with all of these things. The queens are both very nurturing. And the thing that I really love about your work, the books that you have created so far are very nurturing. They are extremely healing. So having things that are difficult to say, things that are going to help you are absolutely going to bring that healing oh. to people. I know it's done it for me personally, having been able to use your book. So I very much look forward to that. And it's also a part of that personal passion as well, like not forgetting that portion of it. So yeah. I think it's going to be extremely you beneficial all get in those ways for everybody. I do want to write about uh, divination as a healing tool. Mm. Because... Okay. Because I I come to it as a healer, and if I can use tarot to help, let's say that you have cracks from wounds, I, I would love to be able to use tarot to kind of fill those cracks back in and smooth it over. And knowing that I don't have the power, I don't have the power to go inside your soul and fix anything, but I hope I can make it a little better, a little easier. That would be my goal. I would agree with that. I'm already seeing like a book that talks about, you know, how you, you know, your healing modalities and using the cards as a communication tool, yeah. like how Hillary said, you know, to, to dialogue either with you or yourself, your therapist, et cetera, to be able to bring form these transformations and the self-care and abundance that like Amanda sees in the Empress. Well, no, and, and I love that. And, you know, you know, Hillary, you, you commented about, you know, we all get into tarot to, you know, read the future for somebody. And the more we use it and the more we play with the cards, there's so much depth to it. There's, I mean, reading the future for a client is like kind of level one. And we have the capacity to just go down, 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 down. Mm -hmm. And uh, healing is one of those levels. And I don't think we even know all the things we can do with tarot. I don't want to know all the things I can do yet. I mean, I've written a book that talks about some of the things I thought about, but like you, I'm I'm moving into that healing. How can I heal myself using the cards? You know, even on the days I don't want to look at my bad self or, you know, stuff like that. But I think that right now, the world, especially coming out of the pandemic, we need healing. We need to to discuss modalities that will help us kind of uncover and like you said fill in those cracks I, I think so plus you know we come out of the of covid and we say okay kind of life's back to normal except we're, we're not back to normal no. you know it took such a toll on us being so isolated even if you were in a relationship or had a family there was just an incredible isolation from other humans and that mm -hmm. we, I think we need to be healthy humans. And I just don't think we've, we personally have recovered. Mm -mm. 
I agree with that. Um, like a friend, a wise, well, our friend Amber, who's very wise, said that, you know, we all have, you know, PTSD or CPTSD coming out of this because we don't know how to act or we haven't been able to really regulate our emotions. We haven't been able to process the grief that we've all faced through this. And, and we, you know, just, you know, because I've been on two very long plane rides lately, if I hear somebody coughing, it's like, oh my God, don't cough around me. Get yeah, away. Yeah. Me. It's like, it's like, even if you have your mask on, you're like, I'm going to spray aerosol or something or, you know. Yeah, that's really true. Totally. This was amazing. This was absolutely amazing. And Kendra will have to forgive us for this series going a little bit longer because it's just such good information. We cannot contain ourselves or make ourselves concise. So um, Nancy, what's um, one thing you want to leave us with and how can people find you? Well, easy to find me. Uh, My website is sageandshadow.com. And I'm mostly on Instagram, Nancy Sage Shadow. So that's, it's very easy to find me. Um, One thing I would love to leave you with, you know, we talked before we went on record about um, kind of the future Mm -hmm. in our community. And, you know, something that bothers me is, I'm trying to say this in a way that it doesn't sound like I'm a total jackass. So hang on. You're um, hanging out with two course. other jackasses. Yeah, we're so jackasses we're here. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we all come to Tara wanting to tell the future and, and one hopes that we come to it because we want to help other people. And yet I see a lot of very young tarot readers who really don't, they if I were to say to them, what do you have to offer me that somebody else doesn't? I don't think they could answer me. And I think defining who we are is so important. And knowing it's like, know who you are, get out there, be authentic, tell the truth and find where you fit that you really can make a difference. Because there are God knows how many thousand tarot readers flipping cards every day that are just flipping cards. And, you know, okay, then that's your gig. You got you stay over there because that's not mine. And, and I just think that we need to have a better definition of what we're doing. What the hell are we about? Um, so that's kind of my deal. Like so good. That. So good and so well put. It's not that it was not a jackass response yeah, at you. all, Nancy. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's not. It's that sage mentor wisdom that it's one of the reasons why we started this whole kind of series is that well, we want to we want to hear from you, learn from you, and understand you know everything. Well, thank you, and thank you guys so much for the invite. Uh, I I love doing podcasts. I love talking about ancestral tarot. So thank you for giving me the, the chance to blab about it some more. Well, thank you for teaching all of us and everybody pick up her books and like, you know, like the rest of us, you know, we're doing that slow, deep dive into everything. So pick them up, read them and really learn from what Nancy has to say, because, you know, we're all family. Remember, everybody's a member at this this little table that we've created, the Card Slingers table. So we'll see you all next time. All righty. 
Thank you so much for joining us uh, at Cardslingers Coast to Coast. You can check out more episodes at cardslingerscc.podbeam.com. And please send us your questions at cardslingerscc at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.